You're listening to the Shoot for Success Photography Podcast, episode 71. And in today's episode, we're doing part two of our in-person sales experience with Matt Hodgman from White House Custom Color, all about how you can upgrade your sales skill to make you more money, all while giving your clients an even better experience than you already are. You are not going to want to miss this one. I always say that, but this is true. So stay tuned and we'll see you over on the episode. Hi, I'm Sean Brown, and if you had told me years ago that I would be a professional photographer today, I would have said that you were crazy. Since then, I've been able to grow my photography business to six figures per year and haven't looked back. Now, with over eight years of experience of figuring out what to do and more importantly, what not to do, I help photographers build the thriving photography business that they've always dreamed of so that they can have more time, flexibility, and freedom to do what they truly want to do. And you want to know the best part? I'm showing you how to make that happen for yourself in this audio series. This is Shoot for Success. Welcome back. Hopefully you have already tuned in to part one of this episode with myself and Matt Hodgman. So if you haven't, go ahead and head over to episode 70 of the podcast and That one is just, oh my gosh, so much good knowledge, so much good information jam-packed into that episode. Like I said in the previous training, these could have been day-long recordings because Matt is such a wealth of, of knowledge, somebody who has been in the industry from both sides, from the photography side of things and now on the lab side of things. So he really brings a unique perspective that frankly, I don't think is is matched uh, by any other individual in the industry. He's somebody who is somebody you got to know, who really cares about the photographers that he works with, who is dedicated to your success at the end of the day. That is what he wants first and foremost. So in episode 70, part one, we talked about kind of how we can maximize revenue through in-person sales and products, why you should be offering it, kind of Uh, Things that may be holding you back from offering it now gave some really great anecdotes of photographers that he's worked with that have probably been in a very similar place as as you may be in right now and and just a a can't miss episode on that. And in today's episode, we're going to build upon that. So we're going to talk all about how we can create a sales experience is even better, how psychology kind of plays a role in the sales process, and and ultimately what we can do so that our clients aren't walking away after their session feeling like they have the question of what, what more? What more can you do for us? How we can bring that full circle and really make sure that they are feeling like they're taken care of in every single aspect of the photography session. So without further ado, Let's roll the interview with Matt. Part two, here we are with the Matt Hodgman. So we'll start with the intro, the the formality. So if you haven't had a chance to check out episode 70, make sure to to do that where we kind of talked about, you know, even like why even dive into in-person sales and all that stuff. And then this episode, we're going to kind of focus more on like the the tactical stuff, the the techniques, the more advanced stuff for in-person sales. Once you've actually taken the jump or, or taken the baby steps, as we said in our last episode, to move into in-person sales, but um, kind of recap 
a little bit of, of kind of what we talked about in episode 70 for for those who who may not have tuned in quite yet. Yeah, I mean, we we touched on a lot of things and I tend to do that, Sean. I get an idea, <laughs> and I, you know, take a hard right and go off with it. But, you know, the the history in the industry that that I've had um, with working for a studio, owning my own and now being with White House for the last five years, it's really given me an interesting perspective on photography and on sales and on products and all the things. And, you know, if you're listening to this episode, that means that you are somewhat vested, if not maybe quite a bit vested into um, learning more about this and perhaps have already started, but you're at a stumble point or you're at a little bit of a, uh, a place where you plateaued and you can't get past that. Yeah. So, I think we should focus this one, Sean, more on like, let's just, let's just create a persona of, you know, somebody that's been doing in-person sales for a year or two and has kind of hit that maybe stagnant, a little bit harsh, but a a plateau. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Where where can we together kind of aim them to help uh, progress that further? Totally. And, and I think that's a great spot and that's kind of what we had talked about prior to because once you've done in-person sales i think that it's kind of like and i forget what uh the term is but it's it's basically like that that curve where you're learning and and it's essentially a really steep learning progress and then you kind of hit like a a plateau so to speak where all of a sudden you're seems like you're not making progress quite as much and how can we kind of get you moving up that hill a little bit faster. And and when you start doing in-person sales, one of the biggest things that I often hear with photographers is they have issues overcoming objections. And, and I think you'll probably agree with this, that at the root and heart of anything sales is how well can you listen and how well can you provide a solution to your customer for what they're saying. Talk to us a little bit about that, maybe how it presents itself in the photography industry for in-person sales, or maybe some things that you've seen for um, common objections that photographers often are faced with and kind of how we can work to help overcome those. Yeah. So I guess immediately where my mind goes with that, Sean, is um, again, you know, I'm, I'm working with hundreds of photographers across the U.S. And it it still surprises me, you know, you take a, a studio that, you know, maybe a 600, $800,000 million a year gross revenue account um, that still are making up some of these truths. And what I mean by that is if I sit down, you know, for dinner with you and you say, Matt, <clears throat> I'm getting all these objections and you say, Give me one. Just shoot one off to me. What's what's one that you've heard a million times, Sean? I don't have room for wall art. Okay, perfect. So that's probably one of the most common ones. But let's just say you take the emotional side out of that and you actually start, you know, with a notebook or a something. And every time that somebody raises an objection, you write it down and then you start creating a little check mark after for each time that you hear that. So out of, let's say you do 100 sessions, if you're going to actually have to have a reaction that that warrants uh, any amount of brain power, you better be having that objection a lot. It, you better hear it 
70% of the time, 75, 80% of the time. It, it has to be high for you to make a change. Or if you are like, I'm going to not romanticize about that I'm hearing that all the time. And at the end of doing my 100 sessions, I actually only had three people say it. It's not as big of a deal in my mind anymore. Now, the I don't have any room on my wall. That's a very common one. Um, the I need to check with my spouse. There's another. All that is is a roadblock. Um, photographers and humans in general tend to let their emotions take over when it comes to this stuff. So I challenge people all the time. I, in fact, I just did it last week to somebody who has a very successful business. They they were feeding me this stuff. I'm like, is that true? Or did you just make that your truth? Like, are you basically creating rules for the exceptions? Are you, are you thinking into this so deep that you're going to let one person out of a hundred pull you off course for the other 99? You don't want to do that. You know, and the only way that you can truly, truly, truly make a decision based on fact is to start keeping a chart. You know, and you are going to, if you're getting into in-person sales or you're relatively new in it, you're going to have the same set of objections and questions come up most of the time. Now, is there going to be some time that you're going to get stymied and you're not going to be able to, to lock that session up before they leave or that sale? Absolutely. It's going to happen. You might as well just get used to it. But the goal is to capture the excitement and to do it when they're there. So if you know that you're going to get that comment, um, I don't have any wall space. Now in the Pacific Northwest, that's probably more prevalent, you know, and actually true yeah. than it is here. Now I have a client that I work with that's in um, Los Angeles. She's like, people don't put portraits on their walls. I'm like, BS, everybody does. Yeah. Now there may be a different style that we need to look at for your particular market versus the Midwest, but everybody puts portraits up. Everybody has artwork. You know, we just have to figure out what that is and what it looks like and be able to cater to that client to take those, those concerns down. You know, I can tell you, and this is 100% data-driven because that's what we do here, that vertical collages have gotten to be extremely popular. Mm-hmm. In, our, in our redesign videos, we show them. And, you know, you can take a space that is, you know, 16 inches wide and put a really cool vertical collage in there. It could be floor to ceiling, something really contemporary. It's something that nobody has seen before. It fills a little tiny space. And you know what it does with that concern? Out it goes. You may not be able to sell a 40, 60, 230 by 40s, a 24 by 30 and two sixteen by 20s that spans, you know, 11 feet. <laughs> yeah. But you're at least filling up spaces. You're getting product out of the wall and you're selling things in groupings, which is massive because I don't know about you, Sean, but I loved it when I sold five things versus one. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, so that is, if you're thinking about really eliminating that emotional piece of this, just get rid of it. Start making decisions based on data. I mean, in, in literally like, you know, you take a uh, studio, you know, a smaller studio, medium size, large, you know, all the way up to what we're doing here. And we're making those decisions based on data. If, if we decide, you know, in the next two months to discontinue a product, 
or to add a product in, it's not because we just walked down the floor and went, we don't like you. You're out of here. You know, it's looking at years of data and watching how that actually trends and then looking at the industry and saying, okay, we're seeing a need here. So we're going to replace this with this. So anytime for those of you that are out there listening along, if there is something that has changed, discontinued sizes, whatever that may be, you know, it's, it's for a specific reason. And in your studio, you need to do those things. You have to do it based on that. And that starts without letting one comment or one concern pull you completely off course and start making all these exceptions, you know, for the, or making these rules for the exceptions. Yeah. When I think it's, it's exactly that we let emotion as photographers get the best of us a lot of the time, whether that be a client reacts a certain way or we jump to, oh, if there's an objection, it it means they're not interested or it means that it's a no. And it's not always the case. In fact, it's probably far from the case. It's just that we haven't provided a solution or we haven't answered the questions that are leading to that objection where it's like, you know, well, and I only get the digital files. Okay, well, we probably haven't done a good job of of educating them at that point of what's the value in print products or um, establishing, you know, why we even are doing this process in the first place. So objections are are not necessarily always knows. It's just a matter of we need to do a better job of of educating or overcoming that objection with our clients so that they don't have those those fears or those doubts coming into the sales session, the session itself, whatever that may be. Yep. And you, if there are going to be those fears, doubts, questions, you want to answer those as soon as you possibly can. Yeah. You know, it doesn't do anybody any service to get to the sales session and have somebody get blindsided. You know, that that's going to do far more harm than good. Yeah. And that's something I see a lot too, where photographers um, are almost like scared of sharing their prices because they're like, they almost feel, oh, they're too high or nobody's going to spend that. You know, what are the disadvantages of, of doing that? And I, I know, you know, I teach basically be 100% transparent all the time, but like why at the root of that would you want to make sure that somebody's 100% invested before they get to you? Yeah. I mean, if you, let's just say, you know, you're, you know, I'm a car guy. Everybody knows yeah. I'm a car. So you're going to go out and, you know, you're looking for a uh, uh, Hyundai. Or Chevrolet, something something that's a little bit more, let's just call it in middle of the road or average, you know, and you you go into that dealership and you get all the way through and, you know, every other car on the lot is $35,000 and you go to sign the papers for the one that, that you got and all of a sudden that one's 70. Whoa, what happened here? Why, why is this one different than all the rest of these? You know, pump, pump the brakes, you know, and all then all of a sudden, you know, the hair on the back of the neck stands up and the heels go in. It's like, yeah. I feel like something's wrong here, you know, where I just saw a thing the other day and it said right now, if people who are f- afraid of charging right now, there are more high-end luxury sports cars being sold in the U.S. than they ever have before. If you want a new Lamborghini or Ferrari, you're going to wait a long time. Mm-hmm. And those are not inexpensive vehicles. So for photographers to think that there are not clients out there who are going to invest or potentially be interested in you because you are more expensive, as long as that experience comes with it, there's a lot of them. Yeah. 
you know, and you're going to have people that have concerns. You're going to have people that call you and say, oh my gosh, how can you charge this much? You know, Susie down the street only charges this much and I get this. Great. I hope you have a wonderful experience with Susie. You know, why, why would you want to invest your time or try to come down to that level to compete for that client that is only going to bring you more clients like her? And then it's just this stair step of down. You know, it's a race to the bottom at that point. You know, why wouldn't you rather wait for that correct client and then have that correct client bring you another one and then bring you another one and bring you another one? And that's how successful businesses are built. That's how you build your brand. And if you're going to build your brand, you better build it on the client that you want to cater to. Absolutely. And and that's something you know I teach a lot on is like what I call the price quality heuristic. It's essentially a shortcut our brain makes that like the higher the cost, the better the value that it is. And we do this subconsciously day in and day out. So if we truly want to give our clients the best experience or we want to make sure that we're providing them that experience, it's like, why would we want to come down in price where it, it not only devalues the service that we provide, but it, it attracts the clients that we probably don't want at the end of the day? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, do you guys have a uh, like a high-end mall that you go to quite a bit yeah. out there? Yeah, yeah, there's so- a couple we have one that's very close to where we live and um, there's a Louis Vuitton store in there and we all know what those bags cost. And there is a line out in front mm-hmm. on a random Tuesday for people to go in and spend five, $6,000 on a handbag. If you want to learn how to merchandise and how to market and how to create a brand, start going through some of these experiences at these high end places, you know, they have huge marketing budgets and teams and, and experienced experts and all the things start looking at these businesses and, and use that to your benefit, you know, um, look for that client. Where is that client at profile? Those people try to figure out where you need to be to get in front of those people. How do they, what do they drive? How do they talk? Like, where do they work? Um, where do they hang out? You know, all those things. I mean, that's the fun part about it. Yeah. You know, once you are, you know, kind of comfortable in your own skin and not afraid to share your pricing and you know what you're worth, then the rest is just, uh, it's just a steady climb, mm-hmm. you know? And I think to go back to what we were talking about with the plateau, if you are, let's just say you're stuck at, you know, a sale of $2,000. And I'm going to, I'm going to, again, going to reference an actual like real life experience here. So another really good client, she's, she basically called me. She's like, man, I'm stuck. I cannot get past, uh, I think it's a $2,200 average. She's like, people buy this, this one package, you know, they, they don't add anything on. And then with the session, this are getting out the door for this. And she's like, I'm doing fine but I can't, I I don't know how to get to that next place. And, you know, you and I are in complete agreement because we've had this discussion before. In fact, in front of a a group at push conference, you know, in Austin, you have to have a certain structure in my opinion on how to sell. And that structure does not include, here's my three packages, just choose one. Yeah. Um, the, The structure is leading people through 
having a bookend product on the front, a bookend product on the back that are your staples, and then having your secondary or, or whatever you want to call those products in the middle. And not, not forgetting to sell all the things. You know, that's what you're there to do. And I'm not talking about, you know, forcing people to spend money and, and being high pressure because nobody wants that. Um, that's the furthest thing from what I ever coach or teach on. But to start with the thing that has your your highest markup in it, for me, that was wall portraits. Hmm. I want to sell that first and I want to sell a few of them or a bunch of them if I can. You know, so start with that. Utilize the iPad app, um, build some walls that show your clients what it's actually going to look like. Because then at that point, they they can let their emotion take over. And start to think like, oh man, I really love how that looks. It's calibrated. It's, that's actually my home. I can see the images up there. I really want that. Yeah. You know, and work through that process first. Get that sale done. Go through your your secondary products, your your gift portraits, your acrylic blocks, your cards, your, you know, all the things that fit in the middle of there. And then, oh, hey, Sean, you know, out of your session, we narrowed it down to you know, 39 images that you loved, we've only used 11 of them. If it was me, I would get one of these albums because then we can put all those images in there and then you can have all of them forever in that album. And literally like those words that I just said to you is how I sold albums for 20 years. Yeah. In literally minutes. And it's, it's, it's so just rooted in psychology is what it is. Exactly what you said is it's an example of the primacy and recency effect. In psychology, we're more prone to remember what we see first and what we see last. So what do we do? We put our, what I call our revenue drivers, the wall art and and the high-end albums, and we put them first and we put them last because that's what our brain is most likely to remember. And, and it's even just like, and this kind of ties into the next question too, is even just like having that order of operations, but also the language that we're using. It's like, um, I remember when I was learning sales. So my background, I actually I was in, on the retail side of Apple for for a couple of years uh, during summers in high school. It's just something I came back and did. And Apple, I think you know nobody's ever walked into an Apple store and said, "Oh wow, this is a really high pressure sales environment." Like they right. they don't teach that. Yep. You have to go find them. Yeah, you have to go find them. Like it's it's difficult to to. It's not like you're going in the door and immediately being inundated. And right. two of the the things that they would teach us in in sales is exactly what you said. If I were you, mm-hmm. insert whatever it, it is, because they trust you, you're that that trust figure. And then the other one was, I highly recommend. Yeah. That was another one. Um, you know, if I were in your position, I highly recommend you do this because that you are the expert there. And there's a lot of power in that statement right there. Oh yeah. Huge amount of power. Mm-hmm. And and that's one of the things too. And this actually goes back to the the panel that we had at, at the push conference where um, I forget what it was. Somebody was asking the question. They're like, well, I can't do this. I'm doing this. I'm doing this. And essentially boiled down to you saying, well, it's, it's just what you're saying. How important is how how it is that you say what it is that you're saying? How important is body language? And um, I mean, the way I teach it is I think of it as like lyrics, music and dance where the lyrics, it's like it's, you know, one thing if somebody walks up into a concert and they just read the lyrics kind of like, a you know, a poetry slam or something like that. It's another thing if they go and sing, but it's a whole nother level if they actually are now performing. It's like how, you know, Beyonce tickets just went on sale or she announced her tour or something like that today. I saw my 
whole Facebook feed. And it's like, <laughs> how, how irritated would you be if you get to the Beyonce show and she doesn't dance, she doesn't perform. She's just singing the songs. Like how irritated are you going to be? Cause that's, you know, that's yeah. what we look for in that. And I think that translates to sales in a lot of ways too. Yeah. That's a, that's a really interesting way to look at it, Sean. I'm going to steal that from you. <laughs> um, I can't emphasize the importance of your words enough. You have to have the right words. But with that being said, your words may not be my words. And your method of selling may not be my method of selling. I can tell you what worked for me because I'm very comfortable with it. I believe it and I know it. Um, so as you are, you as in whoever's listening, as you are going through this journey, you have to ultimately choose how you are going to conduct your sales on a, a regular basis mm -hmm. and be comfortable with the words you are saying and be comfortable with the way you are suggesting and keep that regular cadence because what you're going to be able to do then once you have those words down and you have those answers to the objections and you and you're not going in with anxiety and fear is that you can start to read body language you can start to read the room if you will a little bit more now i think that i'm pretty darn good at reading the room and once you get to that place excuse me and you're doing this long enough you will be able to read the room very well and you'll be able to kind of feel where that person is, is at without even having to have them say anything you know, and there's there's little tricks along the way of furniture placement and, you know, things like that that help you to become um, more aware of what's happening before it becomes verbalized, you know. So it is psychology. Mm -hmm. it, is, uh, it is a song and dance. It's a, it's a performance. That's a really good way of looking at it. But you are also creating that as part of your experience. You know, if we're going to go out to a really nice dinner and invest, you know, $200 or more, depending on the wine, yeah. um, you want the song and dance that comes with it. You know, if we're going to go to a restaurant, we're going to buy a nice bottle of wine. I want the sommelier to come to the table. I want him to be knowledgeable. I want to be able to say these are the things that we like and have him or her suggest something. You know, like I'm looking to that experience to or that person to create that experience for me and to be knowledgeable in that. So if, if you say to me, like um, if you're my client, you say, you know, I, I really love these, but I don't, I, I don't know what to do with them. I'm, I'm struggling with my walls. You know, I sent you in the pictures, but I don't really see any, any places that we could go there. That is your opportunity to say like, you know what? I actually reviewed your images and I've got some cool ideas and we're going to go through the slideshow first. And at the very end, you'll notice that I tucked a couple of those in. We'll come back and look at them again. But I just want you to know that I did some work ahead of time. I think that you're going to like what we did. Yeah. You know, and it's like walking into, you know, the doctor's office and, and not having to repeat your story every single person you run into. You've, you've walked in, they're prepared for you. You know they're prepared. And it's like, wow, okay this is cool. My level of expectation probably just went up, which is good. You know, my level of excitement probably just went up as well. 
my level of investment came with it. You know, you're, you're getting somebody more and more and more invested in what you're doing. And that's, you know, they're buying the product, but they're really buying you. You know, people who seek you out for your photography, you know, they're coming because they want to work with Sean Brown. They've seen you on social media. They know who, who you are. They know your energy. They know your style. You know, it's like, um, I want that, you know, and maybe that same image from somebody else or similar image wouldn't have as much, much impact. It's just because it wasn't you. They don't have the experience that goes with it. And you know that the experience and the product are tied together. They are never going to separate. So if you have a really awesome image, but the experience sucked. Yeah. Well, and that, that pulls your words right into it. You have to, you have to have the right words. You have to be prepared for that. So it doesn't blindside you because it, it, if at any point, if you're, you know, especially working with a higher end clientele, you don't want to, you know, shoot your toe off. So yeah. to speak you know, with the wrong words. Yeah, literally. Well, and, and you said something too, and it was very subtle, but it, it essentially was like how you come into the sale is kind of how it affects. Like you basically say, you don't want to come in with fear. You don't want to come in not establishing yourself as the expert because that's not the experience that they're investing in. That's not what they want. And so if we're coming into it from that perspective of, you know, what if, what if they don't like their images? What if they um, don't like the products? You know, what if they aren't having a good session experience and all that stuff? Well, what's that going to do? That's going to put that kind of feeling into, you know, that energy into the sales session. Absolutely. Absolutely. You're going to, you're going to negatively charge that experience so quickly. It's going to blow your mind. Yeah. For people who are trying to take their sales to the next level, what are maybe some things that you're seeing on not necessarily just like an individual basis, but kind of like an industry level kind of trends that you're seeing for uh, what's been successful for photographers that have been able to increase their sales? Um, groupings of many, many, many kinds. And <clears throat> when I say groupings, I'm not talking about specifically just for walls. Um, collections of items have become very, very popular. Um, one of the clients that we work with here, they are going with a kind of a new style of, of sales when it comes to adding things on instead of doing, you know, one thing at a time, they're bringing in, uh, you know, kind of a package of add-ons. It's kind of like the good, better, best of, you know, instead of just doing this one little thing, now we're going to add three of those things or five of those things or seven of those things. So taking a, a design style, such as a card, and then also you know, doing the card, doing the acrylic block, doing the little um, accordion books or mini books, doing a Christmas ornament, doing, you know, a small album, you know, a tabletop, whatever that may be of just a little collection. We all love this one word that sounds like curated. So we're curating these collections where they're bespoke to the client. Things that fit a style and they all go together are very, very popular right now. And that's really fun to see how these creative minds are taking these products and making them, they've all worked together in the same style or flow and they're they're selling this as a package. That's very, very popular. Wall groupings, absolutely. The new framed acrylics um, are crazy popular. We yeah, kind of slid phenomenal. those in quietly, um, like when you got yours, what was that, probably eight months ago or so? Yeah, probably maybe closer to a year now. Yeah. 
So they were kind of quietly in rows for a while. And then when we did do the, the marketing push for them, they just blew up. So um, the contemporary style of those acrylics is very, very, very popular. Um, the new frames for the frame prints, again, kind of on, not the traditional, I hate to use the word traditional, but a little bit more uh, traditional side of things have also been extremely popular depending on your uh, what you're photographing. Um, albums and books are constantly popular you know the our albums here I, it blows my mind and and i'm looking forward to having you here so you can really see one get put together but the number of people that actually touch an album and how they literally are hand built it's amazing to me you know that those go in and out of here within you know two days or three days whatever you know time of year it's incredible the the attention to detail on those is is amazing so you know if you're if you're looking at revenue drivers if you're looking at adding on to things consider little groupings consider um, looking at products that you haven't used before um, consider using potentially like some bonus levels you know some of these things you know i in my studio as an example the the little um according wallets or the mini books we call them for the number of images that was in there i just couldn't justify charging enough for them for what they were. I couldn't, I couldn't see, you know, selling that as a thing and competing with something bigger. And I've always been in the mindset, like if you, if you can't charge enough for something, give it away. So that's what I did. And I, and I use it as, you know, a carrot and they work phenomenally for that. <laughs> you know, it's just, just ways to get people to, to increase those sales and to spend more. But at the lab right now, that's, you know, anything in a grouping, is perfect. Yeah. When I, and I love that approach too, where um, I think a lot of people tend to get caught up where they're like, I feel like, you know, I need to offer everything or they go to the white house website and it's like, they need to do everything, but it's like, it goes back to the word curated. Like you said, know what it is that you love to sell. And it's, yep. it's going to become immensely easier for you to sell that product. Like people ask, well, how do you sell so many albums? Cause it's like, well, I love the album. So it's like, it's very easy for me to sell a product that I stand behind. So it's like, I think it kind of goes along what you were saying with the accordion book, where it's like, if it's not something that you can really see either charging for or that you're not completely sold on, maybe you like it, but you don't love it, consider changing it up or getting rid of it in your systems, because that's just going to make your whole sales process less overwhelming for your client, but it's also going to make you more invested in the sale itself, which is going to translate into you providing a better service for the client. Cause it's something you truly actually value and, and, and trust in. Yeah. So I, when, when you launch the podcast, um, I, I'm going to challenge the, the people that are listening and it would be fun if they're, if we could get feedback on it. So I want to know how many people out there, <clears throat> And Sean will have to report back to me. Would qualify themselves as this person. So I had a, I have a studio. I've I've been in business for enough years that I have things on the walls already. They're probably getting a little bit old. Um, and every time that I get a really cool email from White House advertising a new product, I'm like, ooh, I like that. I'm going to order one of those. And then I order said product and it comes in and I don't have a place for it. So I either put it on a shelf or I lean it against a chair or against the wall. And now after all these cool new products have come out, I walk in my studio and I, there's stuff everywhere. I would love to know how many people listening are that person. 
and we're not going to hold it against you. But I can tell you again, real world example, and this ties right back to what you're saying, Sean. So (laughs) one of the redesigns we did, exact same scenario. Um, I got images of the studio. It was like every product that we've ever made was in this space. I think I made it. Which studio? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He was like, um, I, uh, I don't know why I can't sell stuff. I have everything here, but I feel like my clients are getting overwhelmed. Like, well, yeah, I'm overwhelmed right now. You know, just looking at the pictures because like what the goal is, is my, my clients don't want to have to get up out of their chair. They just want to be able to look around the room and choose what they, they want. And it's in a big commercial space. So we literally cleaned everything out of that studio. She sold the, the old display pieces to the people that were in them, um, you know, and, and cleaned everything out. And we went back and we, we basically picked out four products that she really liked. And we did them in different variations, different groupings. And, you know, it took her product offering from as big as this room, you know, to here. And it was the things that she loved and her work looked wonderful on all of them. And she almost doubled her sales that year. Because their clients could sit in the chair, they could turn around and be like, I like that one. Okay, perfect. You know, that is X number of thousands of dollars. And it made the sales experience super simple. It made her ordering really simple. There wasn't clutter everywhere. It wasn't overwhelming. Um, So as you were choosing product, just like Sean said, if you're looking at the website, just because we have it doesn't mean you have to sell it. If it is something that really resonates with you and you can see a place in your studio for it or in your business for it, perfect. That's awesome. But just because it's there doesn't mean you have to do it. In fact, what we're really seeing the trend now is people downsizing to a very, very bespoke, very curated product line. What I would call like a core product line or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You know, cause we're going to, we're always going to be developing new things and I'm not saying that not to try things, um, but you don't have to offer 40 different things. In fact, I would prefer that you didn't, you know, it's, it's going to be hard for you going to be hard for your clients. It's going to be tough to come up with a price list. It's going to be overwhelming for everybody. Yeah. I know you got to get running. This has been an I'm amazing good. episode. Um, <laughs> if we could leave the the listeners with like one piece of advice that that you have that you've seen that's helped other photographers, what would that be? Ooh. You know, I'm usually the one that asks that question, Sean. <laughs> now the tables have been turned on yet today. I know, right? This this is weird. Um, I'm going to go back to my my fear word. I think that really, and that's from the first episode, um, you can't be afraid of this. It's nothing to be afraid of, quite honestly. Um, I, I'm going to tell a quick story here. So years ago, I was doing a lot of volunteer work out in Pennsylvania. And I was driving back and got back into Minneapolis um, late one night. And I drove through Northeast Minneapolis and out on this patio in front of this uh, sushi restaurant, two of my friends were out there. And they saw me coming and they waved me down. And I stopped at this restaurant and I was having a, <clears throat> a drink with them and they were asking about the trip. And one of them turned to me and she was like, you're going to move out there, aren't you? And I said, well, I don't know. I, I guess I hadn't even considered it. And, you know, we went a little bit 
deeper in the conversation, she's like, man, I don't know if you realize this, but if you go, it doesn't mean you can't come back. And as simple as a, um, a lesson as that is, I didn't even think about it, you know, and I think that we as humans do that a lot to ourselves when we have to make a decision, it has to be binary and it has to, it has to work. And there is no retreat. There's no, we're going or we're not. And that's not how it has to be. You know, you can, you can make the decision to do this. You can back away a little bit. You can go a little bit further. You can take a little bit of a left. You can take a right. You can learn, you can refine and you can find your way. And at the end of the day, we're not life and death here. You know, you you don't want to go into this decision based on fear. You want to do it because it's exciting and it's fun. And, you know, there was five years ago, I would say six years ago, seven, maybe now, you know, where the pendulum was leaning hard towards file delivery. And if you were doing something different than that, you were in the vast minority of the businesses out there. That's not how it is anymore. There is such a strong um, push for print and for product that if you're scared of, well, I don't want to start charging that because nobody else is doing it. Nope. That's an emotional based response right there. That's not true. I can tell you it's not true. So you are you are riding a wave currently of growth in that. And um, I will leave you with one more thought here before I turn you loose. So once you get past that fear and you are able to read body language and you are able to really be present during those sessions and you get good at it, it gets to be really fun. And once you get to a certain level, and you are rocking and rolling and you've kicked that plateau and, and you, you know, sky's limit for you. One thing that I want you to keep in mind, if you get to the end of your sale and you say, Sean, this has been awesome. I can't wait to see these up on your wall. Um, I, what we did for you today, we have a 30 by 40 frame. We're going to put two 16 by 20s next to that. You picked out four different acrylic blocks for um, gifts for the holidays. I have, you know, a certain number of cards. I have all your products. I'm going to read that back to you. And then your total for today is going to be $8,974.32. Do you want to pay half down or do you want to pay in full? If you pass a credit card across the table or you get out your checkbook, if anybody has checkbooks anymore and you say, I'll just take care of it today. Yeah. You've left money on the table. If that didn't even make that person flinch, you messed up. You left it. And that's where it gets to be fun because then you can start to really learn that that profile that you collect, created for your client that we talked about earlier, you didn't know. Now you know. Now you're starting to build and really, really refine that client. Is your, is your client driving in in a new Mercedes? Is your client... Uh, uh, in a caravan, you know, toting three kids around to soccer games. Who knows? Only you know. But it's fun. It gets to be a challenge. And it's like, you know, once you get past that fear and that anxiety of big numbers, it's up to them if they want to spend it. It's not your choice. 
you know, you don't get to pick for them and you shouldn't be choosing for them because if you are deciding for them, then you're really leaving money on the table. But it gets to be, it's fun. It's like photography is then. It's a whole new world of excitement that's been added to your day. It completes a client experience. And then from there, you can just continue to build. So I guess my my last thoughts were more than one thought, but just keep that in mind. You know, the next time that somebody pushes a credit card across the table and says, I'll just take care of it all today, hear me say you left money on the table. Which is a whole nother episode in and of it itself. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, people can find you, WHCC Pro, and the on Instagram. And then I think it's just, is it WHCC on YouTube if you type in White House Custom Color? For sure. Just hit the subscribe button. Um, I always tell Lucas, our video guy, and he hates it when I call him the video guy. Um, <laughs> I feel so sorry for him because he has to see my voice and hear or hear my voice and see my face all the time. Like, I'm so sorry. You know? <laughs> but uh, there's some good stuff out there. There's, so a, there's some out. awesome stuff on there. So awesome. Thank you so much. And I think we're going to have to have an episode three with you down the line. So perfect. Awesome. I'm always. Well, thank you so much for cool. taking the time. And uh, as always, we'll, we'll see all you guys in the next episode. We'll see you guys later. Awesome. Thanks, Sean. You made it to the end. Really thankful that you stuck with us to the entire end of the episode. Like I said, if you haven't already sent a DM or followed us before or anything like that, please, we would love to connect with you. You can reach Matt at WHCC Pro. Let him know that you love the episode. If you haven't sent me a DM to say hello and just do a general check-in, see how you're doing. If you have ideas for future episodes or guests or topics that you would like me to bring on in the future, you can send me a direct message as well on Instagram. It's Senior Photo Education. I'm going to link up all of the goodies in the show notes alongside Matt's handles so that you can get to uh, you know, White House Custom Color to check out all the cool software solutions that they have for, for clients, check out their product lines, basically whatever it is that you may need from the photography product side of things, White House Custom Color's got your back. Um, I don't say that just to say that. I say that because it's it's true. I stand by them. Uh, they've stood by me in every which way. If, if you need something, you know that they're going to make sure that it happens for you. I can't speak highly enough of them. They are um, an amazing lab to work with, and uh, I literally couldn't do what I do without them. So give them a shout out. Let them know if you like the episode and all that stuff. And as always, make sure that you are staying tuned for all the future episodes. If you haven't already followed on all that stuff, we've got some really great episodes in the works that are coming out in the coming weeks that you're not going to want to miss. So hope you're doing fantastic. And as always, I'll see you on the next episode of the Shoot for Success Photography Podcast. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you next Monday. One of the things I discovered early on in photography is that working harder isn't what builds a successful business. In fact, after coaching hundreds of photographers in every market across the country, the number one trait that they all shared when they were struggling was working harder than ever in hopes that things would finally come together. It wasn't until they figured out how to implement the proper frameworks and strategies that their business took off. That's why I've created this free on-demand video training series, the Intro to Senior Photography Crash Course, to help photographers who want to start or grow their businesses without spending years struggling trying to figure it out on their own. In this free training, I will teach you the steps you need to take that people like myself, along with hundreds of other photographers, have used to build their thriving senior photography business and be able to live the life they want to live. 
All you have to do is click the link in the show notes to unlock how to make that happen for you and your business and say yes to being the successful senior photographer you've always dreamed of being.